Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash US slash get QR code. This is episode number 70 with our guest, Melissa McClure. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Our guest today is a destination wedding photographer in San Diego, and a very skilled one at that, I might add. She began traveling at six months old, sitting on her mom's lap, and her passion was born. Today, she's been a self-employed wedding photographer for over 13 years. When she started her business in 2005, She was in an abusive relationship with a raging alcoholic. She supported supported them both on a budding entrepreneur salary, working two jobs to make ends meet. When she left her abuser, her business flourished, and she became a top wedding photographer in San Diego and now makes six figures several years in a row. Imagine that. Help me welcome to the show, it's Melissa McClure. How's it going, Melissa? Hi, Josh. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction. <laughs> lovely it is. As we were talking before we went on the air, there is so much, um, even in just that, that paints this beautiful picture of your journey as an entrepreneur. And that's why I was so excited to have you. Um, like I also said, um, I'm an artist in, uh, in, in many aspects. I, I, I'm an actor and filmmaker, so I love, admire, and appreciate all aspects of the creative arts. Um, So you're certainly part of that. Um, But I also think everybody is an artist in their own right. Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. I think we all have some creativity in there and it just manifests in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And for you, it it manifested this way. So tell us, um, tell us how you, um, how you got into photography, not as an adult. I want to hear the story Mm -hmm. of uh, growing up when you first discovered it. When did you get your hand on the camera? You remember those little um, disposable cameras, (laughs) the little wind up? They had, you know, 24, 36. Of course. Um, My parents used to buy me those all the time. Love it. And I used to take pictures of anything I could, anything that was in my eyesight, I would take pictures of. And I think it just kind of grew out of that. And then I hit high school 
And I was part of the yearbook and the photo editor was graduating. And I really loved that he had his own dark room and I kind of wanted my own little space and thought it was so cool. So I'm like, Hey, I could, I could be a photographer. So it was out of almost curiosity and um, excitement that I picked up a camera and became the photo editor for three years. Wow. Now you're talking about those disposable ones. Those are the ones that Kodak or any other brand mm -hmm. make that come in that like foil wrap, right? Those ones? Yes, absolutely. Those were, the, those are my original, original. <laughs> you know, it's so funny you say that. And I haven't thought of those cameras in so long. And I certainly haven't thought that they actually are disposal. How genius is that invention? Oh yeah, absolutely. That, and they, they weren't cheap by any means. Oh no, that's right. <laughs> Right. So what is the difference between a, um, a camera like that? What did it lack? What did it do? What was the benefit versus what you today have, have access to? I mean, tons of tons and bells and whistles, obviously. That was a super basic point and shoot, you know, absolutely no manual controls. <laughs> no focus um, needed, nothing. <laughs> right. It had a flash, you know, just a very basic flash, um, to take very flashy photos so yeah it was it was fine for the age that i was and i understand but now, now i couldn't i definitely couldn't be a professional with those <laughs> I, I, I have some um, professional photographer friends uh, and, and I, I've been around professional photographers and I see what goes into it. What do you make of the, I mean, our phones today uh, quite rival, especially with the filters and the ability. What do you make of that? Just, just anybody being able to sort of fudge their way through taking amazing pictures? I mean, it's it's insane what the cameras can do. Just even the last year, the the capabilities that they have are just blown blowing me away. You know, Apple iPhone is what I have with the portrait mode is just killing it with the depth of field, with the bokeh that it can do. Um, so I really think that the phones are starting to change the game. But the truth is, it's more about the connection with your clients. Boom. Go ahead. It's, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's more about being able to um, interact with your clients, make them comfortable in front of the camera. It's posing. It's really knowing lighting, which is the number one thing of photography. So yeah, they can take a nice picture when you're in a perfect situation with lighting and everything, but really knowing how to manipulate the camera to use not so good lighting or knowing how to make a person feel comfortable when they're not is really what it comes down to being a professional. Why, why wedding? <laughs> what drew you into that? that uh, genre. It, was, <laughs> it fell in my lap. It was an accident. <laughs> um, I never wanted to be self-employed. I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was not my goal. Um, now yeah. I can't, now I can't see myself doing anything else, but <clears throat> I got a degree in photojournalism and I was working for a newspaper around, um, it was about the time of 9-11 happened and I was assigned to, um, it was a candlelight vigil right after 9-11 and they said, go take photographs of people in mourning. And I said, okay, no problem. And I went and I took some really great photos of people hugging and crying and very emotional. And I came back to my editor and he goes, this was a college newspaper. He says to me, well, what's their name? What's their major? Why are they crying? And I said, that's, that's not, I'm not going to go interrupt someone in mourning. Oh, wow. And it just completely blew my mind that as a photojournalist, I would have to do that. And I'm, I'm a very empathetic person and I just could not handle it. And I, I promptly quit. I, 
<clears throat> my career that I thought I wanted was over and I was 22, 21. <laughs> so you, you, you saw the idea of having to, while you could capture these incredible pictures that you would have to almost cross the line and tap, excuse me, I'm sorry to interrupt, but um, what's the spelling of your name for this and then make it about that? Yeah, I couldn't do it. I just, in my heart, I, that was not what I could do to people. So um, going back to answer your actual question, I quit photography and I had a degree and I started working in retail and I was working for a jewelry store, jewelry chain for years. And, and then I started working for a friend's dad who was a doctor and one of the nurses or one of the staff at his doctor's office was getting married and it was her second wedding. She was a little bit older and she couldn't afford very much. And she, my parents in efforts to get me to use my career had bought me a really nice brand new digital camera. It was only the second one on the market. This is 2002 and it was a Canon 20D <laughs> and they, they just really wanted to push me to start photographing again because I just had fallen out of love with it mm. and so this co-worker said come take pictures at my wedding I said absolutely not I'll ruin it I'll, I'll never do a good job um, I'll owe you money even though I won't let you pay me and so she she finally convinced me to do it showed up on the day I took I think 2,000 pictures on my digital camera and fell in love with weddings but imagine all that self-talk going into it. No, not me. Oh, yeah. Ruin it. Was that uh, was that a recurring theme? Oh, that's always a recurring theme. <laughs> I still I still struggle with with some uh, negative self-talk these days. But it's something that I actively can see and and work on though. But yeah, back then I just didn't I didn't have a confidence. It was really the the interaction and the posing that scared me. Um, I didn't get a lot of that in college. I got a lot of lighting and aperture and, you know, <laughs> depth of field and all that, but I didn't get how to, how to talk to clients and how, and how to deal with them. So the interaction scared me more, more than anything else. Wow. And I read at the top of the show that um, you, you got your first passport at six months old and you began a life of travel. I did. My parents are extreme travelers. They have been their whole lives. And they actually lived in um, Africa and Afghanistan the 10 years before I was born. Wow. So they, yeah. They what did very, they do? That, that um, so my dad joined the Peace Corps and okay. uh, my mom followed him and they, then he got a job for the government and they lived, they lived in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia for a long time um, wow. and only came back to the States to have me. So you, <laughs> is, is travel a big part of your life today? Oh yeah, still to this day. Um, I anytime that I can book a trip or jump on a plane or even just take a road trip, I am there. Why? Why is that important? I love to. I love to. Number one, I love to eat. <laughs> I love to eat and try new foods and you know just get out of my comfort zone with foods. And I'm a. My husband and I are big craft beer people, so we okay. love to travel and drink beer. And with that usually comes meeting people. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I love to experience new cultures and try new foods. You know what I always say? Every time that um, I, I, I'm at a, 
I'm at a restaurant and I pinpoint something that is always me that I'm always like um, gravitating towards on a menu, two things that come to mind. If there's a beet salad, it's mine. I will, I will, I will order any beet salad at any restaurant and most, most oftenly love it. Um, or a wedge salad. If there's a wedge salad, I'm like, I'll take one of those. So then every time I realize, you know, the, those are like a couple of things that are always me. I always feel I, I should probably travel the country looking for all the beet salads I can and just just document it. Can I get a show like that? That would be yes. Or you can at least get a blog. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it's called your own YouTube show. True. Okay, true. Well, hey. So your your wedge salad and beet salad is my acai bowl. Wait, say that again. Oh, wait. So, so mine is the acai bowl. I love. I want to. I actually wanted to do a blog about the best acai bowls in the world. Right, and 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 travel around finding them, critiquing them, tasting yes. them, shooting video. Works for me. I want to <laughs> go on the road. Um, yeah, I love how. Um, I mean, travel. I, I've I, I've heard is is um, very important to oneself, and uh, especially um, for children. And I have two small children, a five year old and a three year old, and we try to take them traveling as often as possible. And I know that that's a it's a positive. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think anytime you can get them out of their comfort zone is really going to help um, mold them into to, um, open-minded people. Yeah. And to just basically expose them to different scenes, scenarios, sights, sounds, smells, touches, cultures. Yeah. All languages. of that. Yeah. Amazing. Take us back to what life was like for you growing up. I know that we touched on the fact that six months old, you started traveling, but Paint that picture. What was life like for Melissa growing up as a young child? I had I was very fortunate to have a such a positive upbringing. Um, I have two parents that have been married going on forty nine years mm. um, this year, and they were always very supportive in anything I wanted to do, um, you know, sports or theater or anything, dance, and so they. My dad was always my coach. My mom was always my cheerleader. You know, she's still my, my number one fan. So I, awesome. I identify as an adult now how lucky I am to have that because um, I know not everybody is that fortunate to have such supportive parents. And um, I think that shaped me. I will say that I was very naive growing up, um, very just in my own little bubble. And maybe that's an only child, you know, my parents were kind of kept me a little sheltered. And I went, when I went to college, it really manifested and, and I came out and went a little crazy. We'll get to that craziness <laughs> yes. in a minute. I just want to, um, so uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Southern California. It's um, this little town called Fallbrook. It's all the way North San Diego. And where'd you go to college? I went to college in Peoria, Illinois at Bradley University. So you're like, I'm going uh, much across the country. Yes. <laughs> and then what do you mean you went a little crazy? I just, I never drank alcohol in high school. I never um, did drugs. I was, I got okay grades. I'm not the best student. And I was, overall, I was a pretty good kid. I rebelled in, in certain ways, but then I went away to college and I just went crazy. I ate anything I want. I drank anything I want. I partied, partied so hard. I didn't go to class and I actually ended up getting kicked out of school um, my first year. <laughs> so. What were you, what were you looking to major in? 
I was majoring in photography, communications with a photography emphasis. And they said, um, you have to go. And you, uh, yeah, and, that, and, it happens when you don't show up to class. <laughs> exactly. And then you have to move back home. I had to move back home for a semester, which was really embarrassing and disheartening. Yeah. And again, I was living that life that, of sheltered life where my parents were very overbearing, I guess. They, they wanted to know where I was at all times. And I had had that taste of freedom at college. So it didn't go well. I, I ended up running away from home at 20. I mean, it was, it was, <laughs> oh wow, it was just, it was a bad time for me. I, w- I thought I was an adult and I was definitely not an adult. Mm, and don't tell me what to do type thing. Exactly. So you, you're certainly on the um, entrepreneurial path now, but did you sort of see that for yourself back then? No. Oh, no. I, I was a little lost. Um, I, I knew that photography, I kind of picked photography out of convenience, I guess. Um, they went, I went into a communications undeclared and I got to college and they were like, oh, you have to pick an emphasis. And I said, oh, I guess I have, a, I have a camera. I guess I'll do photography. So I never, I never saw myself as a photographer or doing anything, anything on my own or entrepreneurship was not even like a term that I even knew. Um, I grew into wanting to be a sports illustrative photographer. Mm. I wanted to cover sports photography because that was um, something that I was good at in college and I enjoyed it. And it's really, really hard to work for Sports Illustrated. It actually doesn't exist anymore, <laughs> um, being a photographer for Sports Illustrated. But it, yeah, it was, it was a pipe dream that, that I never actually pursued. Mm. And then when you um, went back home for the semester, you mm-hmm. then went back to a college? I went back to the same college, um, which was pretty rare, but I, I was in a sorority. I had a lot of friends. I yeah. had a lot of fun, obviously. Um, so I worked really hard and I got my grades up at a local community college. I worked. Oh, I, wow. um, yeah. So I really turned, turned it around and, and took college more seriously after that. And then you went back to Illinois saying, can I, I come back, please? I, I did. I did. And they said, sure. sure. <laughs> nice enough. They let me in. <laughs> sure. So now you graduate college and what is Melissa looking to do? How is she living life? I know I touched on this a little earlier, um, but I, this is when I thought I was going to be a photojournalist and I started working for a local newspaper and then the 9-11 yeah. story. Um, and I just felt lost. You know, I felt, I called it my quarter life crisis back then. I love then. it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was, I worked in retail for two years. I worked at the doctor's office for a short time and right when that wedding fell in my lap, I decided to break up with my long-term boyfriend, my college boyfriend, and move back to California because I felt that that was the right place for me. Interesting. Um, I I appreciate that you said you felt lost because my goodness, can't we all (laughs) relate to that? I spent so many years feeling lost, confused, depressed, lonely, Mm -hmm. right? All those feelings. How did you survive that? My parents were a huge, huge support. They were there to pick me up off the ground every time I needed it. Um, I had a really great support system and friends, which those two, those two things are my still to this day, my big, my big support system. Mm. And I, uh, we, we, we mentioned in the intro in, in, um, in the mid two thousands, you found yourself in an abusive relationship. How did that originate? 
Oh, yeah. So when I left my my college sweetheart and I left yeah. or left Illinois and basically left my home that I knew and moved back to California, I had ideals that it would be like I when I left it when I was in high school, like all my same friends would be there, you know, and it just wasn't the same. So I came back to California and I was lonely. I was so lonely. I was living with a good friend who had just gotten a new boyfriend. So of course she was distracted. Unavailable. (laughs) Unavailable. I I wasn't working. I didn't know how to start my business. Um, This is all right around that time that I was starting to shoot weddings. And I found myself on online dating. And (laughs) um, I would say, I always say my self-esteem was at an all-time low. I had gained probably about 60 pounds um, after college. I, you know, again, found myself friendless, um, Mm. boyfriendless. My family was not nearby. My parents were living in Oregon at the time. And I just, yeah, I just was in a, I was in a very bad place. And I should have, I wish I would have noticed that and gone to therapy and worked on myself, but I didn't. I jumped into a relationship that was not healthy. It's it's so intriguing how looking, you know, in on this now, I can see and hear, because, you know, we, we, we've all been there. We are at our unhealthiest mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Then we put ourselves out there and really attract the negative back in right oh my gosh you absolutely nailed it that's exactly exactly what happened and and i i just wanted i wanted to feel loved and i wanted to feel sexy and i wanted to feel desired you know the things that normal people want <laughs> <laughs> yes right and then can i just get it from somebody on the outside who i barely like or respect but give me yeah. an ounce of attention and show yeah. me validate me from the outside and Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. That's, you nailed it. I mean, that's exactly how it was. Yeah. So it was. It was hard. I. I knew from day one that he was. He was bad. He was bad news. Listen um, to that. I'm sorry. You knew from day one, and I point that out because I always say we know exactly what we want. We know what's right for us. We know what's not right for us. But what do we do? <laughs> We ignore it. We make up every excuse under the sun. I've done that my whole life in the regard of knowing my talent, knowing my skill, knowing my ability, knowing my power, but choosing to stay hidden for all my reasons. So go on. So you knew it from day one. I knew it. And everyone around me knew it, which was which looking back is so sad that I didn't listen. Um, Very early on, he, so I mentioned, you mentioned he was an alcoholic and I had never dealt with alcoholism. That was a completely new thing to me. So I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't know at all what I was getting into. And very early on, he actually took my car when I was traveling without my mom. I did give him permission. It was, but you know, the keys were there. We were living together and he actually got a DUI in my car and totaled it. Um, quick, quick side question, Um, random question. Um, are you responsible in any way for that in that scenario? No, no, I never was. Um, no, I never got. Yeah. Right. Okay, fine. Because it's your car, your insurance is on there. It's your register, but, but no, you are out of the game there. It's all on him. 
Okay. Right. I mean, oh, wow. there might, there might've been, but I never had to come across anything like that. That's great. Okay. So, so yeah. that was his situation. Um, yeah. Atrocious. And now you have to obviously pick up the pieces. It, yeah, I did. I did. And, and I had, the car was paid off. It was actually a gift from my parents from years ago. And so right. there, there was only liability insurance on it. So all of a sudden I found myself carless and I wasn't really working because I was trying to get my business off the ground. I, ha- I did, I'm sorry, I did have a, a you know, pretty min- uh, menial job hmm. and I, he, my car was probably worth about, <clears throat> excuse me, probably worth about $2,000. And I stayed with him because I felt if I dumped him at that point, I would never see the $2,000. Okay. So it's such a silly excuse when I look back on it and surprise, I didn't get the $2,000 ever. Spoiler yeah. <laughs> alert. And I, I saw that coming. I'm like, and I'm sure you never got it anyway. Um, of course we should have seen that coming. It's, it's all, um, we make those excuses. That's all yeah. we do to help, to help ourselves sleep at night and perpetuate the story and the belief we want to be our current model of truth. Absolutely. And the worst part is I knew deep down that I wasn't with the right person and I wasn't in the right relationship. And I hid that from my parents and I hid that from my friends and I, I retreated, you know, I, I didn't talk to anybody about it and I I wish I would have, I wish I would have been more open and vulnerable about it. Meaning what saying, um, I, I, I really uh, appreciate you sharing all of that. So you said that you hid that meaning you knew, the less than desirable and optimal situation you were in. But when you say you hit it, you just put on the happy face and made it seem like, no, it's fine. It's good. It's great. It's, it's, it's what I'm doing now. Everything's perfect. Absolutely. I mean, my mom is going to be listening to this podcast and I don't think she even knows the story to this day. Which part? The, about the, the DUI and totaling my car. Mm. So wow. it's something that I hid because um, I was even embarrassed. Wow. Well, to this day, yeah. you hid to that. To this day, yeah. Yeah. You were embarrassed. Go ahead. Right. So I, I wish that, yeah, I wish that I would have been more self-aware to, to open up to somebody and be vulnerable and say, you know what? I, I don't know how to get out of this situation, but you know, maybe get advice. Mm, so powerful for, um, for, for, for me to hear. We can all certainly relate to so much of that. So how did this relationship, two and a half years, how did it finally come to an end? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> um, I finally got fed up. I, I was talking to a friend and I finally opened up that, you know, he, this man was an alcoholic and he was, had cheated on me and mm. he had been physical with me. Mm. Um, and the person just was like this, you don't deserve this. No. And it just kind of clicked in my head. And I was like, you know what? Like I was living at a horrible place with him because I was, I, I think I mentioned this to you, but I, I was the one paying all the bills. I was getting my business started. I was paying all the bills. I was working two jobs. I was, I was landed myself in the hospital cause I was working too much. And I just, was embarrassed of my life. And here I am trying to build this business and just, I was embarrassed. Whew, chilling, Melissa, chilling, uh, because I get it. I've been there in, in my own ways, right? Um, where you, you're living your reality and there's, you're hiding everything. You even use that word. And that's the whole nature of my brand, the hidden entrepreneur. I spent decades yeah, hiding, hiding all of all of my truth, all of my ability to give everybody else the power, absolutely, and, and feeling embarrassed 
for just, you know, being me and hiding all of this stuff. And then it perpetuates and then the guilt and the shame and the guilt and the shame. And then it just builds on itself and you hide more and you're like, wow, I am in deep. I, I am showing up in the world as a, a version that is, is of no resemblance to me. Absolutely. And I, I didn't learn my lesson after that relationship ended. I did leave. I was strong. I left, but I jumped into the very first relationship I could with a man that was nice to me. Okay. Sounds, sounds decent, but go ahead. But I married him (laughs) and I, and I divorced him. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So I didn't, I, I didn't learn my lesson until I did some therapy years later. What, what lesson didn't you learn? What was wrong with, um, because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the right nice person. It was too soon. You weren't, what what was wrong? Both of those things. Absolutely. I mean, I met him probably days after I moved out of, with my ex-boyfriend and, and he was a very kind man. Um, he was very nice to me. Again, he didn't abuse me. He didn't, yeah. he wasn't an alcoholic, you know. Obviously. So there's that. <laughs> so I did, I did do an upgrade, but it wasn't the right person for me. And I think if I had done more work on myself, I would have mm. noticed that it, that I, this just wasn't a good fit for me. So our, our marriage only lasted 16 months. Hmm. Wow. And were you still getting your wedding photography business off the ground or, or this you know? Is, yeah. yeah, this is pretty much right when it was starting to take off. Um, I was really busy through those years that I was getting married and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Mm. So then 16 months later, you call it quits with him. And now you start working on yourself while you are continuing to work on and grow your business. So it was pretty amazing. I, I, uh, when we split up, um, I started going to therapy pretty regularly, like two times a week and just really digging into why I was choosing these men that I had to take care of, um, where I had to be, <laughs> be the breadwinner and I had to be the enforcer. And, and so I really, really worked on that for um, a good solid eight months. And that was when I was working on myself is when my business just flourished. What did we learn? Why, why did you fi- find yourself in that role? Um, I'm not totally sure. Um, I think that I just am a people pleaser and I feel the need to help. Mm. And I want, I want to please people. I want to make people happy and I want to encourage mm. and inspire. But I was manifesting that in, a, in the wrong way in a relationship. Yeah. I, you know, I, I needed to look for a partner rather than like someone that I need to take care of. As they say, we have to love ourselves fully and not need another to complete us or make us whole, which is the which is the uh, the big win. That's the yes. goal to uh, to enter in all relationships where you are absolutely whole yourself, not needing any missing piece, but a complementary piece so it works. And I love that you you connected the dots between your your business flourishing the moment you began to because I had that epiphany through this current brand of mine prior hitting my against um, hitting myself against the same wall over and over frustrated wondering why it's not working out thinking I'm going to change external circumstances. Oh, well, let me try this. Oh, well, they have to like this. Oh, well, what if I do that? No, it was all the same person coming to the table with 
whether it was insecurity, desperation, neediness, all those things bundled up into a package saying, hey, do you like this? How about if I put a green bow on it? How about a red bow? How about, you know, whatever. And it didn't work until I was like, wait a minute. I'm the uh, common denominator here. I have to make the change and then the external happens. Oh, it's, that's absolutely what happens. I can just tell when I, when my energy's high and I'm excited, like my business just does so much better. And I was able to work on myself and my business at the same time. That's when my destination portion of my business took off. I started traveling. I was able to travel solo, you know, it, it, it just, I, and then I met a man that my now husband, (laughs) (laughs) because I, I was in a good place. I was in a place where I was open to that and um, yeah. I love that you're now husband. We love your now husband. Yes. And so, so I love how you've connected. Um, we said you've been traveling at a very young age and now that's a big portion of your business, meaning um, you are shooting weddings outside of San Diego. Is that simply put what it means? Yep. Yeah. I would say about 50% of my business is um, outside of San Diego. Wow. Um, I typically shoot, it's, it's gone down, uh, the number's gone down a little bit cause I've been putting energy elsewhere, but, um, at the height of my wedding photography, I was shooting about 35 weddings a year with about half of those outside of San Diego. I, I just love that concept that you're able to, it's, it's like all of your loves rolled up, right? And you're, I mean, how exciting to, to, you know, get the gig where you see, oh my God, I'm going there. How, how amazing is that? It's, it's like a double win for you, right? Oh my gosh. It's amazing. And I, it's taken me places that I probably may have never gone on my own, you know, um, like? um Sicily. <laughs> you don't say. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sicily really? was a great experience. Um, I, yeah, I'm not sure I would have chosen to go there and I'm so glad that I got to go and experience it. Wow. That's amazing. So um, back to connecting the dots on your current husband. So you're, you're living your life, working on yourself, and he came into your world at the, at the perfectly right time for you? Absolutely. Yes, he absolutely did. And, and he was, we had a lot of the same um, ideals and, and future plans aligned. So it worked out really well. Wow. That's so... Wow. That's what I started this saying that you epitomize the entrepreneurial journey that I just love. So where do you, where do you grow from here? It's, you know, I, my next goal is to step away from photography. Um, I am turning 40 pretty soon and my body just I've been doing it for 14 years. It's hard on your body. So I just don't see myself in 10 years doing the same thing that I would love to teach. Um, I loved, I was, I spent two years mentoring a group of 3000 photographers. (laughs) What? In, (laughs) in what? Was that online somewhere? It was an online, it's an online school um, that a friend of mine started and has become really successful. And he had me on from the beginning and I helped mentor and help uh, photographers get their businesses off the ground. And I found a passion for it. What, um, what uh, site is this? It's Cole's Classroom, okay. C-O-L-E-S. Wow, so he brought you on and you had um, thousands of students who you, were, who, who you were teaching. Absolutely, it was a great, great experience. Um, I'm no longer teaching yeah. there, but um, I'm working on finding my own way yeah. to teach. And um, I do some, 
I do um, in-person mentorships for local photographers and I, Mm. yeah, so that's my, that's my next direction. What is your, what is your relationship with failure these days? Oh my gosh. (laughs) I, I have a very interesting relationship with failure because I was brought up to not talk about it. I was brought up to, you know, oh no, you sweep that under the rug. You know, we, we don't, we don't fail. And I've lived my life very open um, because of my business, because I do think that is what one reason my business is successful is being um, open about my life and who I am. And it's been hard for me to share about failure. Um, I, I've had some really bad client situations that I have only just begun to open up sharing about. I've had, um, you know, uh, I put on a retreat recently that failed, you know, there's some things that I've Hmm. been doing and it's been hard to open up about that. That's just something I struggle with. The, the very nature of this brand, the hidden entrepreneur was created and founded on the premise that I was hiding all of my power and excusing it through all the fear I was feeling, uh, using that as the excuse for everything or not to do everything. Can you tell us about a time that you were also living in fear and not able to progress and how you got through that? Yeah. I mean, the biggest one that was mine is obviously when I was in the abusive relationship because Mm -hmm. I didn't have anyone. Um, I didn't, I didn't have anyone to turn to. My friend's one of my friends actually came to me and said, uh, if you, I can't be your friend if you continue to stay in this relationship because they saw how, how, how much of a shell of myself that I was. So it was, it was really hard for me to see outside of that world that I was, I felt stuck in and Mm. I just couldn't, my, I had started my business and I was photographing weddings and I was putting on a brave face when I was there, but then I was going home to be miserable and, and take care of a man child. (laughs) Wow. You say that we shouldn't be afraid to speak our truth. What does that mean tangibly? I mean, I feel like we all have something going on. We all have trauma or we have um, failures or anything like that. Somebody, everybody has something in their life. Nobody's Mm -hmm. had a perfect life. And I think the more open we are to talking about the fact that we're human beings, that we have issues and we have mental illness and we have all these things. I think the more open we're talking about it, it's going to, it's going to fix our problems more, I guess. It's going to make other people feel connected to you or feel open to sharing and then therefore getting help. I love that so much. Looking back on another, on a younger version of yourself, what advice would you give that person? Oh, just love yourself more. <laughs> you know, um, don't worry about the few pounds that you put on or don't worry about this friend that said this thing behind your back. You know, there, there's things in life that are way more important. And, and speak your truth in the way that tell the people in your life that you love them. Um, I actually recently lost one of my very close friends two weeks ago. And... Mm. I wrote her a text message about a month and a half before she um, lost her life and told her exactly how I felt about her. And I feel so good knowing that she, she knew, Hmm. she knew that she knew how I felt about her. So I'm trying to live my life more about letting people know how I feel about them, what they mean to me, how important they are to me. Cause I think that really helps. 
Wow, such a beautiful sentiment. Do you believe that everything happens for a reason? I do. I do. I think we do. We can make our own decisions and we make our own choices in life. But I do ultimately think that life, life gives us learning lessons. You know, there's take something from the negative and turn it into a lesson and you can move forward in confidence. Hmm. Are you spiritual or religious in any ways? I am not religious. I was not raised religious. Um, religion in general, organized religion specifically interests me. Um, I do feel that I'm more spiritual and I'm exploring more of that <laughs> more recently. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely believe in the power of putting your energy out there and you know, you get what you give and that sort mm. of thing and ask, mm. asking for what you want. Imagine that. <laughs> what do you believe happens when it's all over? When our time here on earth comes to an end? I would love to believe that we're reincarnated because that makes me happy. But I just don't know if that's scientifically <laughs> a thing. But I, I read this really great, um, I don't know if it was a poem or a passage, and I'm going to totally butcher it. But the, the essence of it was that our, our atoms and our spirit never actually leave the earth. They just get redistributed elsewhere. Um, so mm. it, was, it was really, really powerful. Um, I wish I had it on me to share it with you, but um, it made me feel a lot better with my friends passing. Somebody sent it to me that, you know, she's, she's not gone, that her, everything that she was is still on this earth. It's just not in her human form. Mm, I love that. I will leave you with this final question. Melissa McClure, how would you like to be remembered? I want to remember for being kind. I want to be remembered for, cheering people up when they're down or being the friend that they can go to, to make them smile. This, this conversation has just been beautiful. Thank you. I love, I love where it went. I love where you went. Thank you for bringing yourself in every regard to this discussion. It means a lot. Thank you for showing up, Melissa. Thank you so much, Josh. This was a really great experience. I appreciate that. It means everything. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in today, whether you're listening to the audio or watching the video production. I thank you. If you got something out of it, take a step forward. And like Melissa said, uh, be kind, right? Put kindness into the world. Take action and put something good into the world. Continue to do good things. We're going to have another episode for you not too far behind. Until we do, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>